Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hello, and thank you for joining us today for conversations and support for targeted individuals. Today is Sunday, May 24th, 2020, and I'm your host, Renata. We will open up in prayer, and then we'll go from there. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we enter your courts with thanksgiving and praise today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for keeping us under your ark of safety, Lord. I thank you for each and every person that you have sent to this call. I ask you to bless them, Lord. Lord, we know not what we have need of, but you do, Lord. And I ask you to supply everyone's need, Lord. No matter what it is, if it's peace in their minds, Lord, if it's a, uh, if it's stability in their life, Lord, no matter what it is, Lord, I ask you to fill the void in each and every one of our lives. Watch over and protect us, Lord. Watch over and protect our loved ones, Lord. Give us joy, unspeakable joy in the midst of all of our troubles. Your word says, out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak, Lord. So we speak joy into our lives. We speak peace into our lives, into our homes. We speak peace into our neighborhoods, Lord. You said that your peace you give to us, your peace you leave with us, Lord. We will take your peace with us everywhere we go, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for putting us on the holy frequency, Lord. Thank you, Lord. No matter what the devil has planned for us, Lord, your plan for our lives is greater, Lord. So we align ourselves with your plan. And we thank you, Lord, for the victory over all things. Please bless each and every person, Lord. Keep us strong, Lord. And you know everything we go through, Lord. You know everything. We don't have to try to convince anyone of, of the targeting that happens to us, Lord. You know our struggles, Lord. You know our pains, Lord. But through it all, you call us overcomers, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for helping us to overcome this too. And I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, I have a scripture. I have a scripture somewhere. Let's see, I wrote it down. Okay, is Matthew 6, verses 8 through 15, and it says, be not ye therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. He knows. He knows. We, we don't even have to ask. You know what? We think we need certain things. We think we want certain things. We think we are supposed to have certain things. But this scripture says the Lord knows what we need even before we ask. He already knows. And he said he will supply our every need everything. Some of the things you think you should have and you wonder why you don't have because God don't feel you should have them. At least he don't feel you need it right now. And when it's time, you're going to get those things, okay? He knows what we have need of, okay? Verse 9 says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. See, we need God's will to be done. Not our will, not what we want, what he wants, his will. 
and his will will be done. This scripture says, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you taken your daily bread today? The daily bread is the word of God. We need the word of God to feed our spirits. We have a, a physical man, this flesh that we're wrapped in, this, this, this physical man needs food, needs physical food to stay alive. But that spirit man inside of us needs our daily bread, needs our word, needs our prayer. We need to hear from God every single day. So make sure you get your daily bread. That's what's going to keep your spirit man alive. Your spirit man needs to breathe, needs to be alive. Don't let him die, you guys, okay? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Okay, you have to forgive. You have to forgive, you guys. Hard thing, but it's not impossible. If God calls for us to do it, it's not impossible. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And God will deliver us from evil, you guys. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. Okay, that's for you who struggle with unforgiveness. I struggled with it for years and years and years and years. <laughs> I struggled with it. I don't struggle with it anymore. And I thank God for delivering me and for giving me a revelation that I don't have to, I don't have to seek revenge. I don't have to, to hold that anger. I learned that forgiveness is for me. It's not for them. It's for me because I was walking around uh, 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 angry at people who had done things to me. This was even before all this targeting stuff. Well, before I knew about it, rather. It's probably been going on all my life. But I was walking around in unforgiveness. I can admit that. And that was a heavy burden for me to carry. And the way it manifested in my life is that I was a very angry, bitter, mean young lady in my teens and 20s, just didn't want to be bothered with anybody. I'm sort of that way now, but I'm better. I'm better, thank God. But it was unforgiveness. It was me being mad at the world for what certain people had done to me. Everybody didn't do these things to me. Certain people did those things to me, but I had learned to even forgive them because you know what? God's going to deal with them. He's going to get them better than I ever could. He's going to deal with them. And now, rather than walk around holding grudges against them, I pray for them. And I had to learn to release it and let it go. That freed me. It wasn't for those people. That freed me. When I learned to let it go, I began to live a better life. So I, you know, implore you to work on it. If, if, if that is your issue, Every, not everybody has that issue. I can admit that I did, okay? But I want God to forgive me because I'm no perfect person. And in order for me to, for, uh, to be forgiven by God, I have to forgive. Okay, and that's what the scripture tells us. For if, and that's uh, 14, for if, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. 15, but if ye, oh, wait a minute. Whole computer went but if ye forgive not men their trespasses, so this is if you walk around not forgiving people, okay? 
neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Okay. So if God doesn't forgive you, you're not making it in. There is no person in this universe, in this world, worth me giving up my salvation and not making it in. Okay. So I need to forgive. <clears throat> Excuse me. Does that mean, because I've, 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 I've dealt with this uh, many times in my mind, for me to say I forgive someone, does that mean I have to deal with them? No. Not in my mind, not in my understanding. I don't have to deal with you. But I can't hold anything in my heart. That's the way I look at it. I have to repent, ask God, forgive me if I'm holding anything in my heart against that person or those people. Help me not to do that. But it does not mean that that person gets a free pass to walk all over me. That doesn't mean that I have to be abused by them. That doesn't mean I have to deal with them. Doesn't even mean I have to talk to them. It just means that I can't hold it. Whatever they did to me, I have to release that to God. Okay? Amen. If you want to read that on your own, it's Matthew 6, verses 8 through 15. Amen. All right. Um, so welcome to anyone who is new to the call. Thank you so much for stopping by. Um, I really hope that this call exceeds your expectations. I hope you get what you came for. Um, I hope that you get support. I hope you connect with other TIs. Um, I hope that you contribute to the call. No matter what, what it is you feel on your heart to talk about, you know, this is an open format. As long as every, you know, everything is orderly and respectful and all of that, then it is fine. This format is ours. It's not mine. It is ours. It is open. Okay. So you are um, welcome to share your information. Um, I always try to encourage people to talk because you'd be surprised at uh, how no matter what you say, how big or small, it could be very helpful to someone because we never know what, what people are um, going through, you know. So talking about what you are going through um, or anything in the news or anything, it doesn't even have to be targeted related. It can help you to feel better just, just because you are processing. I know for me, I'm the type of person I need to process. Once I'm able to talk about it, it really helps me to feel better and I can, you know, move on past it or at least attempt to move on past it. Um, another purpose of this call is to let you know that you're not alone. No matter what you're going through, um, you know, we, we feel that because we are targeted individuals. Most people who come to this call are true TIs. There are some infiltrators that come through because that's, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to happen on any kind of TI format. That's just going to happen. But I thank God that it's much better than it used to be. Um, on my call. It's it's just way better. I used to get so many perps back in the day. Just go back and listen to some of the archives. It was terrible. Um, but God has really, you know, sifted through that. So hopefully this feels like a safe environment for you. Um, and hopefully you get some answers and you're able to, to you know, move, 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 move forward. Just move forward. That's very, very important. Um, yeah, that's about it. That is about it. Let me see. What else did I want to say? Oh, yesterday I had a birthday. So I thank God for that. 
It's always um, a blessing to have another birthday, especially with all this going on in this world. So I had a really nice day with the family yesterday. Okay, uh, questions of the day. I really didn't come up with any, <clears throat> excuse me, this week. So I'll just say, um, how was your past week? That is a question of the day. And uh, Donald Trump had announced that the churches would be able to open today. I think he kind of went above all of the governor's heads because, you know, he makes the ultimate um, executive decision because he's the president. And a lot of the, I know here in California, they were still keeping the churches closed and there was protests about that. So I believe I saw a headline that said that Donald Trump gave the churches permission to open. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think churches are essential? Do you think that churches should be able to open or do you think that it's too soon and the virus might spread? Those are the only questions I have. So you can ask those questions and, or just talk about anything you want to talk about, okay? Star two. Star two. And if we don't get a lot of participation, then we'll probably end early because I didn't do my running around this weekend. So I'll go out and do the things I need to do. Okay, star two, if you would like to speak. Hello. Hey. Hi, Renata. It's Jackie. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Who is it? Jackie. Is it, is it um, Nicole or Jackie? Jackie. Jackie. Oh, you and Nicole starting to sound alike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking to you um, uh, on my, um, on my uh, Aftershocks headphones. Uh, this is my third day. Um, wearing them, and um, I can tell that they are healthy in just these three days. Um, so as far as I can tell, uh, what they've been saying about them is not overrated. I, I, I mean, I haven't gotten near the 180 days, but just the three days, I wear them all day. I uh, answer all my calls. I listen to um, everything on my YouTube because I want to get as much of whatever that titanium or whatever it is is supposed to break this stuff up. <laughs> I want to get it all. So I've been wearing them. And um, I went out on the, uh, in the yard today and I did um, uh, my mulch, getting my little garden ready for my flowers. And then I usually put tomatoes and things in there with them. And um, of course, they hate to see us enjoying our lives. So they start, uh, oh, they came out like, Flies. They were first. There was nobody out, and then they saw me out there, and they just start riding by, and you know, hitting me with the DEW. But I barely felt it. I barely felt oh. it. Oh, that is great. So, um, yeah. Okay. So you, so you're not real clear. Like we can't hear you real clear, but we can hear you. So I'm just going to okay. try to recap what you're saying because um, it's really important. So what Jackie is saying is that she got the bone construct constructive. I don't conductive. know how you say that. But she, conductive. She got the bone conductive earphones and she said uh -huh. it's very much helping with the directed energy. You guys, she said it's really helping and she's only been wearing them a few days and it's helping her a lot. So that's good information. Thank you for telling us that. 
Yes, yes, yes. And also, can you hear me better now? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, And also, um, I wanted to say that... um, uh, what we when you were saying that um about us speaking um we have to speak into the atmosphere we can't be afraid to speak to the devil you know that's, uh, see, that's what they want they want to shut us up but uh the scripture says that we are supposed to speak those things that are not as though they were mm-hmm. and so when you do that you're speaking it into the atmosphere I mean, so I was out there, and um, I found out, because I haven't been out since last summer, really, because it's been cold. This was the first warm weekend in Ohio. And so um, mm-hmm. I, 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 was, I was pretty sure that the guy next door uh, is a contractor, because I used to see him stalking me. But now he's moved in next door, and I can feel him. If I go in one part of the house, he, I think he can probably see through here because he follows me wherever I go in the house. I can hear him stomp, 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 stomping. But, you know, when I try to tell my husband, he'd be like, oh, that's your imagination. Because, you, you know, they're not, in, they're not going through it. We are. So we know what's happening. But anyway, so the, uh, the um, you know, I was out there, you know, doing my uh, – my yard work and everything, you know, getting my garden ready and everything. And I just thank the Lord because the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said that, um, where is your faith? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I said, Lord, I said, I do have faith. But he said, you have to put that faith in action. Mm-hmm. And they're out enjoying. They got their kids out there. They're barbecuing. They're they're playing ball in the yard. But as soon as one of us targeted individuals come out, they want to treat us like we're criminals, and we haven't done anything. And they're the criminals. They're the criminals. And what and what you said, stepping out on faith. The scripture tells us, faith without works is dead. So you can have all the faith in the world, but if you're not putting any works behind it, then it's just like you don't have faith at all. Right. And so I, I told my husband, I said, can you please uh, bring my mulch out on the porch because the bags is heavy. I got my stuff together and I went out there and I started putting my mulch out and they were hating. I seen them with their heads all down in the car speaking to their phones, you know, with these mad looks on their face. I said, get mad all you want, devil. I'm going out here and I'm going to enjoy this sun and get me some vitamin D and, fix, and do what I want to do. And you, if you don't like it, you just don't like it. And so uh, a lady next door that I didn't even know was over there, the people that were in there, see, what they do is they infiltrate the whole neighborhood just for you. Just, and then across the street, all these red and white cars. Those cars were not there when we first moved in. And they're always mm-hmm. hiding their faces. That's how you know uh, they're up to no good. And so yeah. um, she's acting like she's looking all down in the trash can. Now, what are you going to be looking down in the trash can for? soon as I come out, so I ignored her, and then she waited, and she, she thought I had my head down, and then she tried to hit something towards me, and I said, no weapon that is formed against me, Satan, is going to prosper. <laughs> it came out of my mouth before. She got mad, and she slammed that door and went in the house. <laughs> wow. But, but I had to speak that thing into the atmosphere because mm-hmm. that's how the enemy 
he's not going to react to you keeping it to yourself. You know, Jesus, That's true. He didn't just, and when he was talking to Satan, he didn't say, Satan is written upon his breath. He said, Satan, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, I mean, mm-hmm. he said it like he meant it. So we have to That's say right. these things like we mean it. We have to speak it into the atmosphere, and we have to speak it into existence. And the Lord told me, he said, there's nothing wrong with you airing out how you feel and everything. But he said, what about me? You're leaving me out. You can't leave me out. I'm the only one that can do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can mm-hmm. gripe about it and everything, but I'm the one with the power. And he said, you're, you're not, um, you're not, um, you're not taking that power that I'm giving you and using it. So that's what we have right. to do. We have to tap into, that's the word I was looking for. We have to tap into that power that God has given us. And I remember people was like, well, everybody's not religious. I said, well, it don't make no difference whether they're religious or not. I said, they still, you still have to stand up for what you believe in because if you don't, they will crush you. Um, me and my husband was talking about Goliath, and he thought because he was big and bad and, and, you know, he was a giant, he already thought he had it sold up. He thought he, had, he was going to win that battle. He even still had armor, and he was, he was a giant. But that little mm-hmm. boy, he said, he, he told him, he said, he said, you coming against the God of my God, the God of Israel? He said, my God, and he told him, he said, no, I'm going to chop your head off. And that little guy, because he had that much faith, he was the one that, that, that was able to, to, to kill Goliath with one um, smooth stone and a slingshot. So we uh-huh. have that slingshot faith. We have to have it or, or we're not going to make it. You know, and that, that's that stone may have looked small, but it had a whole lot of power and faith behind it. And because he had faith, God was behind that rock, and God was the one that, that took the power and, and knocked that giant out. So that's what we're going to have sometimes, to knock our sometimes giant I wonder, Sometimes I wonder why God's people live in so much fear, but the devil's people don't. They feel protected by, by the devil, but we don't feel protected by God. Wolf tickets. We let him mm-hmm. convince us, like Goliath, I'm going to do this to you, and I'm going to take you and feed your carcass. You know, he was doing all that talking, and then uh, uh, David came back, and he said, no, he's like, I'm going to do it to you. He said, not only in that, mm-hmm. he said, I'm going to pop your head off. <laughs> yeah. And he, right. and he started, the lion started laughing because this little scrawny little boy, some people say he was 15, some people say he's 17, some people say 18. I don't know how young he was, but all I know is they say the Bible called him a boy. But he still conquered that giant because he had that, he had the faith. And he, he was mad because he said, you have defied and went against my God, the God of Israel. And so you, so we got to have, have that same feeling within us. You're not going to tell me God gave me my life. You can't, you're not going to tell me what you're going to do. And if God doesn't do it, I know he's still able, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, you still got to right. have that faith. And when you have that faith, God is the one that's going to come through for you. 
and 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 and, and they'll go to they'll go to running. I stayed out there. I did what I had to do. They didn't like it. And I, when I got finished, I came in the house and I was in one piece and I didn't feel that one thing. Oh, amen. That's good. I praise God for it. And I know some of it, I don't know how much was the headphones and how much was Jesus, but I know both of them working together worked out, worked that situation out for me. So I just wanted to encourage some targeted individuals who are listening. Um, you know, the scripture says, so what if they don't believe? Does their unbelief make the faith of God of none effect? That means just because they don't believe don't mean, that does not mean that God is not real. It still doesn't mean that God's no. word is not true. It still doesn't mean that God is not able to do what he said he's going to do, and he's going to do it. So we just have to go and, and be bold about what we're going to do, or, or, or we're defeated. We can't walk around scared all the time. Sometimes yeah. I have to call on the name of Jesus all night long because I'm being hit all night. When I wake up, it's morning. And I know it was mm-hmm. him that carried me through. So I'm and it's been better for you, huh? Huh? It's been better for you since you've been wearing yeah. the, the earphones. Yeah. Um, you know, these three days um, since I've had them on, I, I can say that I, ha- I can tell uh, something's going on. Um, you know, with it, um, it's starting to do something. So if, when they said that, that, that um, you know, we, uh, that they work, uh, so far I can tell that something special is going on. I mean, I haven't had them on the whole time yet, but I've had them on day, all day, and all night soon as, since I got them. So, That's uh, a blessing. How much did you pay for yours, if you don't mind us asking, uh, just so we'll know? I mean, they're not cheap. They, you know, because he said don't get the cheap ones. The, these ones right. I got were eighty, were seventy nine ninety nine, and then with the tax, I think they came up to like eighty four something, eighty three, eighty four. Did you get them from Best but, Buy? Huh? Did you get them from Best get, Buy? Uh huh. My husband went to okay. and, and the, the curbside, and uh, you know they joke. Um, because I didn't want to get them delivered because some people were saying don't order them um, through the mail if you don't have to because the contractors know they work and they'd be trying to mess with them. But, I mean, you know, whatever, you just have to get them the best way you can. I mean, take the chance or whatever if you can't get out to get them. But I just wanted to say I, I have noticed um, that they're doing something because I was out there on the porch and they was hitting me and I didn't feel anything. So... I just wanted to say that. That's and, uh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, I'm I'm not just doing. I'm still doing my um my Epsom salt baths, and I'm still taking the uh, curcumin uh tank uh tablets that my husband got me from the health food store. They're kind of expensive. They're like forty dollars, but you get a big old thing of them, and um, they're all natural, and they and they're the strongest uh, pain powerful pain reliever without having to take medication. The lady at the health food store told my husband she takes them for her back, and she was the one that was telling him. Um, he was saying my wife said she, she'd be in pain, and she said, what kind of pain? And he said, I don't know. All I know is she said she'd be in pain. Well, he, she said, whatever kind of pain it is, these will handle it. So I've been taking those as well. So it could have been all of that together, you know, because I have not just stopped doing every the other things too, but I can say that uh, I can tell that there's something going on uh, with the headphones. And not only that, they have an awesome sound. 
and uh, you can your phone doesn't have to really be up on you, and you can still hear what's going on. You can, you know, walk around, and you can still hear what's going on with them. So um, I'm gonna let somebody else talk, but I just wanted to give a little report about, um, you know, the headphones. Thanks so much. I'm glad you told us. And I wrote it down somewhere. I may have to email you and get the information again because there's a couple people I'm going to tell about that. And I want, since I know that yours are working, uh, uh-huh. is working for you, I want to get the mm-hmm. same ones that you got. Because when uh-huh. I look online, there's so many different types. Well, Ella and uh, some other people say that they had tried them and they're, and they're working for them. Yeah. Okay, well, if you ever get the chance, send me the link to the ones you got, please. I will. And then I will. I'll know what. I will. Thanks so much. Okay, okay. Have a have a good evening. I'm gonna still be listening. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can talk again if you like. All right. Okay. Uh, star two, if you would like to speak, star two. Let me get Jackie muted. Okay. There are several people with their hands raised, so thank you guys for your patience. Hello. What do you say, Renata? Hey, Ken. How you doing? Not too bad. <clears throat> I was going to speak on the church. He's Trump opened them up. As far as I'm concerned, that's a government entity. When they got a 501c3, they are part of the government. So I don't think they should have ever been shut down, even though I won't go into one because they got too many perps in them. But the thing is, I don't think anything should have been shut down. If we're going to shut any kind of business down, we should have shut the government down and put all them federal employees off the clock and not been paid like they did the rest of small businesses in this country. Then we'd see, we'd see how long it'd take Congress and the Senate when they're not getting their pay before they got things right. Because this, this here was a pandemic. It's, there's nothing to it. It's, a flu, it's no worse than the flu season. And the facts are starting to come out on But anyway, what I want to tell you, Obama and Comey, Barr said, well, we probably won't be banging them in front of Congress to test under, you know, under oath. And the reason they're not doing it it all goes back, it's called the Hammer Project. And that was Dennis Montgomery. He, had, he built the machine, he said, to spy on 60 million Americans. And, and he had all the paperwork on it. And, man, they hushed that up in a hurry. Now, I talked to Larry Clayman. He was a lawyer that defended Dennis Montgomery. He said he went to Congress, to all the senators and the, and the Congress. And he said, I thought... Uh, Devin Nunes would be the one that would take it up, Kenny. But he said, if I got to him, he told me, no, I ain't touching that. He said, so he's compromised too. But they're, they're afraid about this hammer project coming out. That's why they're not going to go after Obama, Comey, and all the rest of the FBI agents that was doing what they were doing when they spied on Trump. So I'd like to see them go after him and, and bring this technology out that they were using. I'd love to see that. And hopefully it might still happen. We don't, we don't know. So. so what did you call it, a hammer project? It's called a hammer project. You, Dave Jenda reported on it back about five or six months ago. 
Then there's a guy named Kevin Schiff that's supposed to be the head of the CIA. You know, he came out of the CIA. He come in and tried to throw a crap bag on it, saying it wasn't real, all this. But Dennis Montgomery, and I think you can probably still find him on the Internet. Just look him up. And he's, he, he had all the documents, and the FBI took all his documents and everything. And then Larry said he couldn't see the documents because he wasn't classified to see them. But he told me, Kenny, I understand what you're saying. I know what I know what you're saying is true. But when we can't go any further with it, he said, there's nothing I can do. So if you all want the Hammer Project, and it was Dennis Montgomery that built the, the computers and everything, and the CIA paid for it you know, so they could track 160 million people at one time, which we already know they're doing it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. So I, I'd love to see him. Go, I'd love to see him go after Obama and call me and, and bring this up to the forefront. I would love to see that, even though I don't think they will. But but that's what they used on Trump. Obama's starting to get active uh, because he's gonna. Um, I guess he's gonna be. I don't think he's not gonna be the running mate, but he's. Uh, what do you call it? Campaigning for. Joe Biden. Joe Biden made some very offensive comments about black people um, in the last couple of days. I don't think he's mentally stable. What do you think, Ken? I don't even think he knows where he's at half the time. You know. Yeah, he's and, really and do, great. Do I think Trump's all that great? No, I don't. He has done a few good things, but when when he said he opened the churches back up, my opinion was he should have never closed anything. Especially the churches, because they say that they got no right to close the churches up. And besides that, they are a hand of the government. Five one c three means they're government approved. The government tells them what they yeah. can actually say. A lot of these churches, so I don't go to them because oh, yeah. you know they, they they treat us worse than they, the people in there. I guess they think they're doing the right thing, and it's it's kind of like the track and trace that they're trying to get through HR six 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 six. That means that they can, because of this virus, they can come around your house and say, I had four young kids. They said, well, you got the coronavirus, so we're going to take your kids out of here. The pet, they're all, they're all, 99% of them are all pedophiles up in the high end of the government. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I I don't know if that has passed. I don't know if that bill has passed yet, the um, HR 666. Six, I think it's four sixes actually, four sixes. but I don't know if it has passed yet, and hopefully it won't. Well, they they've already started hiring the the, the I call them the brown shirts because that's what they call them in Nazi in Germany when they were spying on the family members, they spying on everybody. And then if you mm-hmm. go Google up the night of the long knives, that's after Hitler got into power, and all of you should go do that. He told his Top people go out and kill all the brown shirts, the leaders of it. So then the, the ones that was lower, they said, "Well, we'll, we'll get in his military. And he won't. He won't kill us." Well, he put them on the front line to make sure they died. So it's called the night oh. of the long night. Wow, we. So they, they, all these all these people doing that evil stuff. If they make it till they meet till they meet their maker, I feel sorry for them. But a lot of them ain't gonna make it till they meet the maker. 
They're going to meet him, but they're, they're not going to make it down here. So. Uh -huh. anyway, That's true. You know, I'll, let somebody, I'll let somebody else talk. That's just a couple subjects I wanted to bring up. Okay. Now, what is the video you sent me? Well, you know, you sent me a lot of videos, but there was one this morning. Did you want to talk about the, did you want to mention the um, Dr. Batar with yeah. the 100 uh, doctors? Well, with over 100 doctors, actually. 160. I, wow, I could. That's a lot. I I could talk a little bit about it if you want me to. They all heard yeah, uh, give me all a moment. Let me, okay, give me give me a moment because I do want you to talk about it, but let me let this other person speak and then I'll come back sure. to you. Okay. Can you hang around for no. a minute? <laughs> sure, no problem. Okay, thank you. Because that's really important, and I do want you to. Let's see, I got you unmuted. Get you unmuted. Could be. Okay, I had lost internet connection, so I apologize. Um, I think Jerome, I think we lost Jerome. Ken, are you still there? I don't even see you anymore. Okay, start two if you would like to speak. I don't know what happened, you guys. Okay, well, let me... Um, Oh, darn. I have to go get my, my thing. Hold on, you guys. Hold on. Okay, you guys, hold on. I'm going to try to 
uh, slide this speaker up so I can play this video and you guys will be able to hear it. Smartphone connected. Okay, now I hope I can get this loud. All right. Let's see. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Let me see if we got Ken back. Okay, there you are. Hey, Ken. Yeah, I'm back. Okay, are good. You okay. Are, are so, you um, video? Not that particular one. You sent me another one I was going to ask you about. It was the Rockefeller Medicine. Right, right. Is that a good one? Yeah, that's a, that's a real good one. Oh, okay, because that one is shorter. It's a lot shorter, so I was going to do that one. But uh, and, and I can do that playing, after you. Before you start playing, let me say something. They came out and they said that the doctors and the nurses and all the people at the hospital, they were our heroes. What do you think they did that for? What do you think they're pushing at? Because they know the doctors and the nurses one that can expose what they're doing, and that is happening now. A lot of you had 160 doc, doctors come out and say that a lot of this is bogus, and I mean they were voting almost 100 percent of what uh, Dr. Batar was saying. So go ahead and play this one, and I'll talk about the other one. Okay. All right. So Ken Rhodes, for those of you who don't know him is a pillar in our community and he sends me a lot of, <laughs> he has a lot of connections, he knows a lot of people, he's a beautiful person. And he sends me a lot of videos, um, some of them I, I don't get around to, but when, when I do listen to them, I'm like, wow, they're always really, really very informative. So this particular one here is called, okay, so it's about 45 minutes, so we'll listen to this and, uh, take your notes so we can discuss it. Hold on. I'm going to try to play it out loud. So you guys can hear it better. Hold on. Okay, I think you hear it better this way. Can you hear it, Ken? Yeah. Welcome, ladies okay. and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corbett Report. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan, here on this first day of November 2013. Welcome to episode 286 of the Corbett Report podcast, Rockefeller Medicine. Quote, The crisis in today's healthcare system is deeply rooted in the interwoven history of modern medicine and corporate capitalism. The major groups and forces that shape the medical system sowed the seeds of the crisis we now face. The medical profession and other medical interest groups each tried to make medicine serve their own narrow economic and social interests. Foundations and other corporate class institutions insisted that medicine serve the needs of their corporate capitalist society. The dialectic of their the economic and political forces set in motion by their actions shaped the system as it grew. Out of this history, emerged a medical system that poorly serves society's health needs." End quote. 
Well, a timely post there. So what is that taken from? Is that a blog post by an outraged American citizen who is realizing that Obamacare is now raising premiums of the average American out there by as much as 539%? Or is this some sort of uh, snapping point that uh, one of the liberal blogs has reached in realizing that they have been duped and that healthcare uh, Obama style is not manna from heaven in which government somehow magically gives people uh, medicine from on high because they care so much about them, but is in fact a, a fraud from top to bottom that has been designed to further plunder the wealth of the average American. Uh, no, actually, as a matter of fact, this is a, uh, a section, in fact, the introduction to a book that was written in 1979 by E. Richard Brown, published by the University of California Press. That's right. People have been talking for decades and decades and decades now about how America's healthcare system is broken and is certainly not serving the needs of Americans with the highest medical uh, rates, the highest proportion of salaries and the highest proportion of GDP being spent on healthcare in America in the entire world. This is obviously a problem of, well, excuse the pun, epidemic proportions. And the question is, how have we arrived at this spot? Well, there are some obvious answers to this and some not so obvious answers. And one of the not so obvious answers that is being studiously avoided in the left-right farcical phony debate about Obamacare, which as always tries to spin things off into a phony left-right paradigm and a political agenda that doesn't really amount to any difference whatsoever. One thing that is studiously avoided is, well, speeches like this by Senator Max Baucus, who helped pass the Obamacare Act back in 2009, and who was at that time thanking some of the people who made that act possible. And I want to single out one person. And that one person is sitting next to me. Her name is Liz Fowler. Liz Fowler is my chief health counsel. Liz Fowler has put my team together, healthcare team. Liz Fowler worked for me many years ago in the private sector, then came back when she realized that, that she could be there in the creation of healthcare reform because she wanted to, in a certain sense, that to be her, her professional lifetime goal. She put together that, uh, the white paper last November 2008, 87-page um, document, which became the basis, the foundation, the blueprint from which almost all health care measures and all bills, both sides of the aisle, came from. She's an amazing person. She's a lawyer. She's a PhD. She's so decent. She's always smiling. She's always working. So it's always available to help any center, any staff. And I just I thank Liz at the bottom of my heart. And in many ways, she typifies, she represents um, all of the people who've worked so hard to make this bill such a great accomplishment. So what you're thinking? So who is this Liz Fowler anyway, and why is it so important to be bringing up this, well, gr gushing and rather embarrassing praise from Senator Focus on the House floor? Well, it's because Liz Fowler is not just someone who was formerly in private industry, as he tangentially made mention of in that speech, but someone who, well, had a very interesting uh, history and one that we can even pick up from mainstream sources like NBCNews.com, which had a post back a few years ago, fact or figment has
us on the finance committee, worked as an executive for Belkis. One of the finance committee staff have been working day and night to reach the goal of reform. Costs and ensure quality affordable health care coverage is Belkis. Shields added decision is whether a policy for the American people that records Michelle Easton former chief health counsel to the finance committee under lobbying for WellPoint for her firm Tarplin Downs and Young was affordable care and worldly trade was in fact for them and even more specifically she was a former vice president of wellpoint so here we have someone in the very heart of the private insurance right the very affordable care act which is Supposed to provide health care to the public, except for the fact that there can much more to get insured. On you, the see the point at which should for all world what it like and this is exactly are absolutely out of control only getting worse As the government comes along to fix it with the help of the their friends in WellPoint and other uh, private health insurance companies. Ridiculous. Considering the amount of that three media has given Obama and written. Renat, it seems to be spending a lot, is it?
They use the state legislation. Sorry, guys, I keep getting disconnected. I think we're back. If you didn't know, I'm Can't hear. Five is Renati seems to be expanding a lot. And today we're coming to see. In the world, and the most expensive medical care in the world, except you never get well, <laughs> which seems to work out for everybody except the patients. It works good for the doctors. It's good for the doctors. It's good for companies. Oh yeah. So everybody's happy except the poor patients. And whenever you go to the doctor today, and he prescribes a medicine for you, he says you're going to have to take this medication for the rest of your life. So are you guys not able to hear, Ken? Can you hear me? It's better. It's better right now. Oh, okay. And I'm sorry, but my computer keeps getting disconnected, you guys. So hopefully it's okay. Let me try it again. Because it's against AMA principles to ever cure anybody. They've actually uh, brought doctors up on charges of curing people, and they've done some of them. Okay. How about now? Was that clear? That was clear. Okay, guest five. Um, guest five said it's all garbled. Were, were you able to hear just now? Guest five, type in now. Let me know if you can hear clearly. I'm out of the AMA for that very reason, because you're curing people. <laughs> because this might be the right thing to do, but uh, from a business standpoint, buying the medicine, which they buy from the Rockefeller drug companies, and go to the Rockefeller hospitals, and everybody's happy. And now they have the scam where if you can't afford it, the government's going to buy the drugs from the Rockefellers and give it to you, right? Well, that's why they have the Medicare system, because they develop Medicare. You know, for, for, I point out in my book, uh, Murder by Injection, that for many years, the AMA spent millions of dollars in Congress to fight Medicare because it was called government medicine, and they didn't want the doctors were very independent, and they didn't want the government to control their business. Well, they wound up as uh, employees of the government, and that's what happened. And now this new drug act, they're going to supply the drugs to the people that can't afford it with the taxpayers' money, but the drug companies will still get the, the, the money. They get the money, yeah, because a lot of the people are, uh, are buying drugs today and medications, like elderly people like myself, they couldn't afford the drugs, and so the government will pay for them. <laughs> what a racket. Well, it shows that these people are good businessmen. Yeah, well, very good. Yeah. I mean, they're not very ethical, though. Uh, well, you and I can never think of such a diabolical plan. <laughs> Well, right. You and I never could think of such a diabolical plan, but unfortunately, that doesn't stop Han. And we suffer from a lack of imagination on many of these subject victims for those who would so abuse positions of power and influence in order to increase one's own profitability. It was a brief snippet of an interview interview with and of course I'll put the link into the full video uh, interview so you can watch that on YouTube along with things that I mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at corporatereport.com 
But, uh, well, this is a pretty grand claim to be absolutely essential in shaping modern American medicine. And this could be cast aside as mere conspiracy theory by those familiar with the Rockefellers or their influence. And for example, I mean, just as one example of that, we could cast our minds back to The Last Word on Snake Oil, a video that I produced a couple of years ago, showing that the Rockefeller's roots, ironically enough, really does go back to medicine, aka fake medicine, aka snake oil, as the Rockefeller dynasty. John D. Rockefeller's was, in fact, an, a, and a shuckster, but in fact, who literally sold snake oil um, as people's cancer um, and building himself as a doctor when he was in fact not a doctor. So the Rockefeller's roots and their their first uh, attempt at amassing a fortune really does go straight back to the idea of, um, well, attempting to cure people's cancer while doing nothing of the sort. That's just an ironic bit of history lesson and I'll include the link into that uh, video as well so you can go and watch the last word on snake oil, which I think is still very relevant today. Again, there may be some who think, oh, oh, Rockefeller, oh, you're just coming up with these crazy conspiracy theories. What do the Rockefellers have to do with medicine anyway? How did working for a Nobel laureate at the Rockefeller University shape your science career? So that was a pretty serendipitous event in my life. I knew I wanted to come back to New York City and I was applying to postdoctoral positions in New York City. And a friend of mine at the time who was in New York City said to me, if you're gonna go and do your postdoc there, you should go to the best possible place you can go. And that's the Rockefeller University. And for people who aren't familiar with it, the Rockefeller University is one of the most unique universities you'll ever come across. It doesn't have an undergraduate program. It has a graduate program and an MD, PhD program. It's small. It has no departments. It has no silos. It's unbelievably well-funded. It's an amazing intellectual place. And I applied and got an interview in this guy, Paul Greengard's lab. I was interested in the stuff that he was doing. I went on my interview, gave a presentation, went out to dinner with him and got, got the offer. And five months later, he won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. And I never could have known that that was gonna happen when I accepted my position in the lab. And I always joked with him afterwards that it's good that he, I got in before he won the Nobel Prize because after he got it, the applications to the lab were, Scott, I would never get in. And he always said, yes, you would still get in, you would still get in. Um, but that experience showed me the best of science. What's it like to be in one of the most world-renowned successful laboratories? Um, what's it like to be a scientist in a lab where funding isn't, you know, the biggest issue like it is in most labs? Well, oh yes, I mean, that Rockefeller family, yes, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Rockefeller University, yes, oh, okay, well, I mean, the Rockefeller name is associated with medicine, but but not the family, I mean, they haven't had anything to do with it since the, uh, the founding of the Rockefeller Foundation back in the early 20th century, right? Well, this is, of course, something that is not really controversial for anyone who's actually studied the literature on the subject, uh, which continues to amass a pace. In fact, earlier this year, there was a uh, book re uh, released via the auspices of Guangxi uh, Normal University Press, um, published by a Chinese scholar entitled To Change China, the Rockefeller Foundation's Century-Long Journey in China, which notes that, again, the Rockefeller Foundation was absolutely essential in shaping modern Chinese medicine. 
medicine as well and medical system. And uh, just reading from a, a short article on this on, on Global Times, it says, quote, the concept of traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, that stood in opposition to Western medicine developed in the late 19th century. Before that, Chinese doctors were open and flexible in their acceptance of Western treatments and ideas. But as Western techniques and theories outstripped Chinese ones and cultural conflicts developed, the idea that traditional Chinese treatments were either outdated or needed to be defended developed, culminating in the division of Chinese medical pra practitioners into Western and Chinese medicine by the 1920s. Uh, in her book, To Change China, the Rockefeller Foundation's Century-Long Journey in China, just published in Chinese, Ma Xia, Associate Professor of East Asian Studies at Oberlin College, holds that NGOs, especially the Rockefeller Foundation, contributed to this process. This is of Western modern philanthropy that had, had been established is moving to evidence-based medicine when the Rockefeller Foundation, endowed by billionaire John D. Rockefeller, entered China in the early 20th century. With the spreading of the missionary movements, Rockefeller became increasingly interested in China. His foundation bought the Union Medical School and renamed it the Peking Union Medical College. The foundation not just wanted to establish a first-class school of medicine in China, it also introduced the U.S. Johns Hopkins medical model to the Peking Union Medical College Hospital and viewed it as a laboratory of their social ideas, which reflects the foundation's ambition to change China." End quote. I'll let you continue reading on, on that subject and reading the book if you are so inclined, but that's just one indication of the massive global reach that the Rockefeller family and the Rockefeller Foundation had very much so in the early 20th century and which continues to shape the uh, societal and, and educational and medical and all sorts of other institutional practices and institutions themselves to this very day as reflected by the previous clip that we just watched. But again, it's not a conspiracy and it's a very much documented history how the Rockefeller Foundation in cooperation with some of the other corporate foundations that developed via the auspices of the robber barons of the 19th century had a profound effect on shaping American medical discourse in the late 19th, early 20th century. And again, this has been documented many times, many ways, in many places. So let's take a look at just one example of that that goes towards how the modern system of allopathic medicine as opposed to homeopathic developed as a result of the Rockefellers and their influence. Answer to this question may be from historic events that took place almost a century ago, when official medicine finally managed to gain the upper hand on the so-called empirical doctors, who cured patients with herbs and natural remedies. In the 1800s, society sanctioned both approaches, but a choice of using either doctors called allopaths, called empirics, or homeopaths. The two groups were called debate. The allopathic doctors called the heroic medicine. They believed the physician must aggressively drive disease from the body. They based their practice on what they considered scientific theory. The allopaths used three main techniques. They bled to bad humors. They gave huge doses of toxic minerals like mercury and lead to displace the original disease. They also used surgery, but it was a brutal procedure before anesthesia and infection control. Few patients were willing to have surgery. Most patients feared allopathic methods altogether. Satirists of the day remarked that with allopathic treatment, the patient 
of the cure. Competing her thing, the body's own defenses to heal itself. Instead of poisonous minerals, they used vegetable products and non-toxic substances in small quantities. They especially favored herbs learned from Native American and old European traditions. The empirics said they based their remedies not on theory, but on observation and experience. Satirists of the day added that with empiric treatment, the patient died of the disease, not the cure, and the balance of medical power remained equal until the turn of the century. Then, new medical treatments emerged that were potentially very profitable. The AMA joined with strong financial forces to transform medicine into an industry. The fortunes of Carnegie, Morgan, and Rockefeller financed surgery, radiation, and synthetic drugs. They were to become the economic foundations of the new medical economy. The takeover of the medical industry was accomplished by the takeover of the medical schools. Well, the people that we're talking about, Rockefeller and Carnegie in particular, came to the picture and said, we will put up money. They offered tremendous amounts of money to the schools that would agree to cooperate with them. The donors said to the schools, know all this money. Now, would it be too much to ask if we could put some of our people on your board of directors to see that our money is being spent wisely? Almost overnight, all of the major universities received large grants from these sources and also accepted one, two, or three of these people that I mentioned on their board of directors and the schools literally were taken over by the financial interests that put up the money. Now what happened as a result of that is that the schools did receive uh, an infusion of money. They were able to build new buildings. They were able to add expensive equipment to their laboratories. They were able to hire top-notch teachers. But at the same time as doing that, they skewed the whole thing in the direction of pharmaceutical drugs. That was the efficiency in philanthropy. The doctors from that point forward in history would be taught pharmaceutical drugs. All of the great teaching institutions in America were captured by the pharmaceutical interests in this fashion. And it's amazing how little money it really took to do it. Surgery became viable with anesthesia and infection control, and doctors advocated expensive radical operations. These in turn produced the need for a large lucrative hospital system. Radium fever swept medicine. The price of radium rose 1,000% almost overnight. Another costly technological industry entered the hospital system. A drug industry grew out of the booming patent medicine business. The doctors changed educational standards and licensing regulations to exclude the empirics. Soon, only AMA-approved doctors could legally practice medicine. In a brief 20 years, the AMA came to dominate medical practice. Organized Medicine launched a media campaign to associate the empirics with quacks. The code word for competition was quackery. So now, the average doctor goes through school, he gets a great education, uh, he has to be really, he learns all about drugs, he doesn't know too much about basic nutrition, 
I found that the average wife of these physicians knows more about nutrition than he does. But they sure know their drugs. And if you go to today, I don't care what it is. Chances are you're going to walk out of there with Why? Because that's what he has been trained to do. We can see from all of this, I think, the bare threads of this, the Rockefeller Foundation really was influential in the medical system and what it has become, where the Obamacare uh, actually forces people to buy into the private health insurance industry, which of course inflates the rates of healthcare and makes it even less accessible for people who are struggling to make ends meet as it is, while the very richest of the very top, the not 1%, but the 0.0001%, the Rockefellers and others at the very, very top who own the banks that print the money, uh, continue to expand and expand and expand their wealth, even as the lowest people, the lowest, the people on the lowest rung, economic rung of American society all ever downwards. Again, this is a ridiculous system that could not have developed in any other way but through the careful machinations of an institution like the Rockefeller Foundation and the people who were steering it at the time, not necessarily the Rockefeller family, so much as people like Frederick Gates, who is an interesting character, who we will have more to say about in future episodes of this podcast. But, uh, but people like that very much helped to shape this idea of philanthropy as a tool for social control. And this is a point that is so fundamental it needs to be made again and again and to point out that when free lunches occur they are never really free and this is something we all understand intuitively and yet that thinking goes out the window for many people when they see a free government program oh the government's going to provide free health care well not really free but it's it's basically like they're providing health care to the people because they care so much think again. And uh, well, let's start fleshing this out and let's start taking a look at the motivations behind a family like the Rockefellers and why they would institute a system like what we have in this day and age. What is it that compels and motivates these people to do what they are doing? The first and basest and most easily understandable um, way that we can parse what is happening is, of course, to look at the profit motive, because make no mistake about it, there is a profit motive, a very obvious one, for a, a family that made its fortune in the petrochemical industry, in oil specifically, to find other uses for their petrochemicals, including the manufacture of modern medicines, which do rely to a large extent on petrochemicals. Hey, how? Look at that. Suddenly the dominant uh, theme of Western medicine becomes how can we give people more petrochemical-based medicines, which we can jack up and inflate the price. Uh, this is something that I think should be pretty easy to understand, and the way that this was deliberately engineered into society can again be documented by people like Eustace Mullins, who we were listening to earlier in this podcast, and we'll listen to a clip from a different interview, one that goes back even further, a couple of decades now, to, uh, to talk more about the process by which the Rockefellers did implement this system. And Eustace Mullins is someone who should know, having researched this topic carefully for one of his books, Murder by Injection, the story of the medical 
conspiracy against America, which does go on to document how the Rockefellers have important uh, board uh, board members on basically every major pharmaceutical company and, and insurance company in America, at least at the time of the writing of Mullen's work. Um, every single board in included at least two or three Rockefeller company men, um, basically Rockefeller uh, associates who were uh, associated with the Rockefeller Bank or the Rockefeller Foundation or some Rockefeller institution or other. So it should be no surprise there, and it should be no uh, no great mystery how all of this comes together to create a system that benefits people like the Rockefellers financially. The greatest achievement of the uh, modern drug trust was the dollar pill. They have uh, now they have, they have one pill which costs a thousand dollars, which you use in cancer and various things. And uh, nature, unfortunately, had how to make a thousand dollar pill. So uh, obviously no good as far as the medical monopoly is concerned. Well, tell us a little bit, just before we get into that also, there's a difference between homeopathic medicine and allopathic, and that's part of what we're discussing also. Tell us a little bit about that, if you would, Eustace Mullen. Well, what you're talking about is a historic situation. In the 19th century, most Americans uh, thrived on what is called homeopathic medicine, which is mostly naturopathic remedies available through nature in abundance at low cost. Well, the medical monopoly, which was formed in 1847 as the American Medical Association, they didn't like this. They thought, how are uh, doctors going to get rid of the people through when they can go to these homeopathic people and get these remedies at very low cost? The first plank of the AMA was we will never allow any homeopathic physician to become a member of the AMA, and they never have. So, but the AMA was still in a minority. So around the turn of the century, John D. Rockefeller realized there were great potentialities of profit in the medical industry. And so uh, he took over the medical profession. Uh, now you say, how could anybody take over the medical profession? Well, first you have to have a lot of money, and second you have a lot of power. Well, he had both, and he did. So he revamped the entire medical system of treatment of the people of the United States, which had been homeopathic. He switched it over to allopathic medicine, which is a different type of practice, originating in Germany. Traction is it relies on uh, radical surgery. I mean, if you can't cure it, cut it off. And uh, because it's a uh, very disturbing place, none of which are features of homeopathic medicines, it's entirely the reverse. So, uh, by taking over the medical industry in 1910, uh, through studies which he made through the Carnegie Foundation, John D. Rockefeller emerged as the kingpin of the medical monopoly in the United States, and he now presided over a system controlled through every legislature by accreditation of hospitals, uh, uh, control of physicians, control of medications, and which is essentially what we have today. So from 1910, when this change was effected, uh, right to the present day, healthcare has multiplied astronomically in the United States to the point where it is no longer available to most American citizens. 
uh, to counteract this, when they got us to the point where the average working man could not afford hospital care or the allopathic system of treatment, uh, they set up an insurance industry, medical insurance. And uh, through this, they were able to spread out the costs among everybody. And, and uh, health insurance another tax on the American people. In fact, it functions through the social security system as a tax on the recipients of uh, social security. They say, well, now that you've reached uh, your senior citizens thing, uh, you have uh, social security coming in. So then they jerk back a good portion of it for as Medicare costs, which they raise every year. And uh, so eventually, probably, uh, Social Security and Medicare will be equal, so you'll get a church uh, check uh, every month, which will be zero, zero, zero. They say, well, here's your Social Security check, but we've deducted your Medicare uh, costs, and so now you get zero. And it's funneled into the Rockefeller-style monopoly, whoever is involved in it. Oh, all of the all of the money from the health industry goes into the medical monopoly and the drug trust. Interestingly enough, the Rockefellers control every uh, major drug company in the world, and now when I say control, I mean directly. They have, among the directors and officials of each of the 18 largest drug companies in the world, they have men from Chase Manhattan Bank, uh, from the Exxon uh, Oil Company, and so forth. So they're right there, the names, I have all the names in my book, Murder by Injection. And uh, with this kind of control and the monopoly, they have been jacking up the health costs on the American people monthly, not yearly, but monthly. I think all of this is easy enough to understand and easy enough to follow from A to B to C to see how a Rockefeller family and John D. Rockefeller with an almost incalculable fortune back at the turn of the century was able to parlay that fortune into a tax-exempt foundation, let's not forget, that was able to invest its resources in uh, philanthropic concerns, quote-unquote, that even helped to parlay that fortune even further so that Rockefeller's heirs are even more substantially wealthy, although not if you read Forbes' wealthiest men in the world list, but do you really trust that list? Um, but uh, it suffice it to say, I think it is easy enough to understand how the uh, Rockefeller Foundation has been used to further Rockefeller cartel interests. And we've seen that in previous editions of this podcast. For example, The Truth About the Gene Revolution, where we looked at how the Green Revolution and then the Gene Revolution, both Rockefeller funded and supported in... Uh-oh. Okay, I'm gonna end it right there. I'm just gonna check. Hold on, you guys. I don't know what's going on with TalkShoe, but I keep getting these texts where people are not able to get in. It's not me, you guys. It is definitely TalkShoe. Same thing happened last week. People were trying to get in, but couldn't. Oh, she's... Wait a minute. 
Okay. Second nine. Okay. Hold on. Okay, Ken, just hang tight one moment. Okay. I'll let you speak. Hello. Yeah, Renata. Hi. Yeah, how you doing, Renata? Hey, Charles. Yeah, hi, everybody. Yeah, um, Good, how okay, are yeah, you? I was, I'm all right. Yeah, look, I was listening. Okay, first of all, uh, there's a uh, slight apology that I got to make because last week, um, what I said that the country that, um, uh, that wasn't on lockdown, okay, I believe I said it was Switzerland. Okay, I was wrong about that. It's not Switzerland. It's Sweden. Sweden. That's the oh, country okay. that wasn't on lockdown, and, you know, nothing really happened in that country. Then um, um, I remember um, uh, a few weeks ago I said something about um, prayer, uh, uh, prayer uh, without works is um, – Dead now. It was like you said earlier. It's faith, faith without works is dead. That's in on um, the book of James. Okay, so I got to make an apology about that. Um, yeah. Okay. First thing, um, uh, Renata. Um, yes. I I don't know if you're aware of it. Okay, but it's a woman that's in your area in California. What's that? Orange County. Still with me, Renata. Renata? I can hear you. Um, the late you yes, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, okay. Orange okay. County. Okay, right? um yeah, that's southern that's southern Southern California, yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh her name is Peggy Hall and she came out okay that <clears throat> I highly suggest that you check it out. Um Okay, but you know, it was directed. Okay, with the information. Just a minute. The information that um she gave. <coughs> excuse me. The information that she gave is directed to people all over the country. But um, you know, her, her location, you know, where she lives is um California, Orange County, and she was using her state where you live, <clears throat> as an example, because she laid out exact laws on how this um, um, quarantine, so-called quarantine, <clears throat> is illegal. <clears throat> yeah. So I highly suggest that not only you, but everybody else, you know, um, check it out, because, I mean, she, she went from the federal government on down to the um, local. <coughs> and she gave a lot of good detail, even though there are some variations from state to state. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah. But generally, generally, <coughs> it can be applied to everybody. All right? So that's what started. I forgot just a minute. I'll look at I'll look up the um just a minute. Because I pulled her up as you were talking. Oh, you got it? And I see about it well, I see one that says about wearing masks, part one. 
Is that it? Yeah, that's one. No, nah, no, nah, this one is called current current state of emergency in California unlawful. Peggy Hall, uh, COVID is not um, COVID is not epic. You know, it's um. Oh, I see okay. it. I see it. Oh, you see it. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. It's very good information there. Right? Now, um, anyway, I'm outside. Okay, no mask and all that. Don't worry about me coughing. Because <coughs> um, people, uh, okay, that's familiar with me, knows that I do that real often when I'm, you know, steadily talking and stuff like that. So there's nothing new. That's been going on long before, as you as you may know, Renata. That's been going on long before COVID nineteen, right? So, I know it happens with me too a lot. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So anyway, I'm outside. Okay. Um, you know, people are still wearing their masks, but then it seems like more and more uh, people. There's certain, you know, there's people that's not wearing masks. You know. So everybody seemed to I mean, be getting over the fear, you know, um, okay, or coming out of it. But um, we got to be uh, very, um, very um, vigilant about phase two because phase two is coming up. All right. First of all, you was asking um, about um, HR six 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 six. Okay, well it's still yes. it's still in the intro yeah, it's still in the introductory stage. Okay. I mean last I looked was um yesterday. So it was still in the introductory stage. So um yeah. Alright, so still got a little ways to go, okay? But still we gotta okay, I, I, I strongly suggest that, you know, we gotta get moving. Okay. Um, this petition by um, 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 uh, Islam, Islamic brother uh, called um, 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 Riza. I'll, I'll, I'll text you the mess, um, his full name and everything. And um, you know, there's okay. um, a petition by um, Dr. Um, Bata. Okay, okay, or oh, he a director. Oh, I didn't know he had a petition out. Okay. Or he'll direct uh, his website or directed to the petition that's um that's on the website of the Congress where it says you know our opposition okay you just put your um you put your full names your email address and that's that so uh, you know that's what I did yeah All right and um. Anyway, as far as the state that we're in now, okay, uh, remember when this first started this discussion on the call about, I mean, this was, I believe, it was back in February, long before the, um, before the lockdown began, or a little bit before the lockdown began. All right, and I was telling mm-hmm. you something that David Ike said that is designed to knock out the small businesses. Okay, that's part of that's part of phase two, because I mean, okay, that's what it looks like anyway. Okay, because the small businesses are gonna go. All right, 
the big businesses, okay, the big, yeah, the big chains and all that, they can, as I said before, they can take the hit. They can take the hit. They're going to be in place after the smoke, after the smoke clears and the dust settles, they're going to still be around, right? And that's where all the, oh, that's where all the regulations and the ordinance is going to come from. Okay, um, you must wear your mask. You must. They must take your temperature and all this type of stuff because the small businesses wasn't going to go for that. That's one of the reasons why they had to knock them out. Okay, they going into. All, I mean, complete faith. That's what this thing is about. It was. I mean, okay, from from my from how I look and from what um, David and from what David Ike um, described, from what a lot of people describe. And from what I'm looking at, okay, this is no happenstance that, you know, they're making this economic turmoil, okay? It's deliberate. It's on purpose, okay? Like I said, one of the things is they're knocking out the small business, okay? Because a lot of things, a lot of people can get by with the mom and pop stores, what they couldn't get with the big chains, because the big chains is, it's tied to the corporations. I mean, you know, is the corporation, yeah. matter of fact. All right. Uh-huh. So, just like um, the um, the video by James um, that James introduced us to about the guy who was talking about the uh, the meats and all that type of stuff. All right. Uh huh. They can they can have all that stuff going now. You know what I'm saying? But the the bottom line is. Yeah. Okay, when they make um making a move where um they got to close down a plant and all that type of because somebody gets sick. Well, look, it's a lot of other people. In, I mean, it's a lot of people unemployed. Okay, unemployed. Okay, if somebody gets sick, okay, gets so sick can't work and stuff like that, or he might spread something or something like that. All right, then yo, <coughs> find somebody else and they'll do it. You know, and stuff like that. You don't have to, in other words, what I'm getting at, you don't really have to shut down the plant, okay? Because it's vital to keep that, uh, to keep that food coming in, all right? But if they do that, if they do that, that means, I mean, that tells me right there they're doing it deliberately, okay? Because it's essential, but, but they're going to do it anyway, so... And it's not necessary to do, but they're going to do something that's that um that's essential to us as far as getting getting the product. So they're doing it deliberately, all right. And they got and you can bet they got they got they got their stuff all stocked up. You know they got they got all damn near everything they want, everything they need all stocked up, right? So um another oh, okay another thing is. As I said before, um, I they keep playing the people off against each other, okay? Because they got this two-party paradigm that a lot of people, the vast majority of the people, matter of fact, okay, are so hooked into, okay, okay. I mean, it trips me out how people on the right swear that Trump, is, you know, Trump is an innocent guy and stuff like that. Like last week, okay. Um, um, what's um Kent, who was just on the phone, gonna say that um, you know he's gonna he's gonna deploy the troops, but 
they ain't going to do nothing or something like or they just want to make sure they just want to make sure the people get the vaccines and stuff well, i mean well, what does that mean i mean what i mean tell you i mean what does well, that mean hold on charles ken is on the phone he's unmuted so if you want to reply to that ken you're welcome yeah yeah, yeah you can go Floor's open. <clears throat> okay Floor's open. trump said he had the vaccines be here by the end of the year and he's deployed the troops to help get it because it's going to be a big job. Now, then he come back and said, some people don't want it. So everybody's not going to want the vaccine. So in other words, they're not going to, he's saying they're not going to force them on you. So I don't know what, what. Okay, okay, I can, I hear you, I hear what you're saying. Okay, but then the question, the question got to be, Ken, okay, okay, we I mean, I mean, it's elementary. I mean, that, that's something in grade school where you say, look at the military. The military is the symbol of what? Force. Force, right? Am I right? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think it is. It's a, symbol, it's a symbol of force. So, I mean, you can, I mean, to, um, to distribute the vaccine, okay, you can get a lot of departments to do that. Why would you get the military? I, I don't know, but I don't care which one comes to my door. They're not giving me no. I ain't taking the vaccine. So okay. This, this yeah. vaccine's going to change your DNA. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that, too. I believe that, too. There's something in it besides the microchip and all. And I think that's also uh, a connection with the um, the um, the 5G, the 5G and all that type of stuff. So, no, nah, I'm here dead against it. Okay. But um, understand, okay, people understand, and people got to bring up to other people that they know and stuff like this that how they're going to roll it out. They're going to roll it out, okay. Chances are, okay, is that, you know, they ain't going to make it mandatory at first, okay. But the push is going to come. I mean, you can bet that. So you got to be ready to stand your ground. My thing is, Okay, a lot of the things that um, the big fight, okay, is now when they think everybody is asleep. Okay, that um, HR six 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 six, okay, that needs to be um, dealt with. I mean, severely right now, squashed and everything like that. Like I said, <clears throat> like I keep saying, we can't let that shit get off the ground. We can't let it get off the ground, all right? I mean, you got. To, I mean, you got to. Be, I mean, you got. To, people got to be mobilized to deal with that. Um, the protests. More people got to be out of there, out, out, outside, out there. But the thing about it is, okay, as I said about the control opposition, they set it up where the people that are already doing the protests. They come and make it look, you know, out of. They come and make it out of a right wing thing instead of including. I mean, having everybody included. They're gonna. I mean, come, like I said before, they come out there with Trump banners. Okay, here's my bus. Okay. They come out there with Trump banners. Okay, and um, and uh, Confederate flag. Okay, they ended up turning off everybody else, you know, from the, from the, um, from the, um, from the, um, from the, um, protest, 
okay, but other people got to get out there now. Because believe me, when they say that um, the next the next wave is coming, they're not. I mean, they're not meaning about <clears throat> they're not meaning about um, a virus or anything like that. What they mean is them. They're the next wave, okay? They and that's when they're going to drop they drop the hammer down hard. So the summer is when. You got it. I mean, it should make the moves. But Charles, let me, let me say something. <clears throat> let me say something to you. Right now, yeah. you got about 50, you got fifty percent of the people. I call them roll up your sleevers because if they come out the vaccine, they're going to be lining up to get that vaccine because the government's got them so scared. So they're not going to have trouble getting the first the first round to take the vaccine. People are going to be happy to get it. Because they think things are going back to normal. Things are not going back to normal in our country for a long time. I'll tell you that right now. There is no normal. No. There is no normal. Because I agree with you. Go ahead. No, that's all I had to say. You can go ahead and talk. I'll, I just let you know what my feeling on it. When you talk about the vaccines, it's whether they make them mandatory or not. I don't believe in, I don't believe any vaccines ever been proven. If I. Right. Yeah. My kids wouldn't get the vaccines if I was young and starting a family. I would not let them have vaccines, period. Well, my opinion is they, they've been had um, what they call the vaccine. They've been had that risk. They had that sitting on the side right now. Because like you said, it's going to be something else that nobody is going to expect. They got it sitting on the side right now. And, okay, they're going to say, well, they come. Because, I mean, from what I understand from doctors and scientists, okay, it takes years to roll out a vaccine. Now, how are they going to do it so quick? Less than a year. I mean, that should tell you something right there. They got it. They got it. They got it on standby right now. Okay, what they're going to do? Then they're going to say, um, they're going to use regulations. Okay, they're going to use regulations. Where, you know, um, if you want to go back to work, or if you want any any reverence of any normal normalcy, you're gonna to have to. Um, um, first of all, you're gonna to have to take the test and get tagged and all that type of stuff, and agree to get traced, agree to be traced and all that type of stuff. Then they're gonna come with the vaccine, and it's gonna be they're gonna first see who's going to um, fall for it. So it's going to be, like, um, involuntary. Then, like I said, they're going to drop the hammer, okay, Just you know, for anybody who's left. And i tell you how it's going to go. The people, the vast majority of the people know that this is BS, and they know something's going on. But as you said before, as you just said, Ken, um, Okay, they cowards. Like you said, they they rolling up the sleeves already, you know, ready to get in line. Okay, they spineless and they cowards. Now, when they get the shot, deep down inside, they know what they did. They know what they did was bad, right? They gonna, right. I mean, it's going to be hatred for the people that stood their ground. You understand? The people that stood yeah, their ground. 
that held the line, that held the line, okay, there's going to be so much hate, hatred for toward, towards them, okay? And that's when it's going to be the one force and stuff where that's how, it, that's um, part of the thing of how it's going to work. Yeah. And Anybody I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, okay, we got the, um, okay, um, if you can, uh, please sign the petition if you haven't. Okay, let's organize and get out there. Okay, and start doing some, start start doing some boots on the ground activity. Okay, um, um, Renata. Okay, Peggy is in your area in California. Maybe you may want to get in mm-hmm. touch with her because she she dropped a lot of good information. Okay. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. I'm definitely going to listen to her videos. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I got some other videos, but, you know, I ain't going to run them off right now. Maybe later, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I'll I'll let somebody else speak. Thank you, Charles. Okay. Okay, Ken, go ahead with what you were going to share with us. Okay. If anybody on here, if you, if you, it's London Real, what I'm going to be talking about, London Real is Brian Rose and Dr. Vitar. Now, they they got it down as 100 doctors, but when they got through, they had 160 doctors online at the same time. And and, doc, and uh, Dr. Vitar and Brian Rose was asking them questions. One of them was, one of the questions was, with the way the vaccines are right now, from the day of birth, to 18 years old, how many of you would go along with with that program? There's only two doctors in there that said they would go along with that program. They believed in the vaccines. So that's 158. They said no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't follow that program. So that that's a good thing. At least we're finding out now that every doctor is not for vaccines, and these doctors were from all over the world. I think Renata watched it, and one of them, mm-hmm. one of the questions was. Should we, would y'all, knowing what you know now and seeing what you're seeing, would you be willing to say we should all just go back to work like we were four months ago and and forget all this lockdown? And every one of them, some of them, he's raised two hands up. So the doctors are catching on. But that's the reason I told you earlier, I said they're calling the doctors and nurses heroes. I see yard signs all the time. A hero lives here. No, they're not heroes. They're medical doctors and nurses that are lying to you because they know that if these people ever come out and start telling that these hospitals wasn't jammed up like they said they were, they're fighting a losing battle. But now you had 106 doctors on London Real and uh, with Dr. Butter and Brian Rose. So to me, that gives me a lot of hope. It looks like they said the next time they expect maybe 500 doctors on, and they are going to do this again. But if any of you want to see that, it's two hours long. It's an hour and 59 minutes. Renata's got the the website, or if you send me an email, I'll send it to you. If you if anybody wants my email, it's Ken Rhodes, K E N R H O A D E S two zero zero eight. At yahoo.com 
If you send me an email, I'll send you the link. I sent it to a girl named Darlene over in Europe, and she called back. So I guess I can't see it because it won't let me on. I, so I got. I told her call me. She called me. I went online with her. In a matter of two minutes, I had her on. She she emailed me back. She said, Kenny, this is an eye opener for me. I posted this on my website, and I'm sending it around to everybody. She's got thousands of people. I only got maybe 75 or 80 people I send stuff to. So it's it's well worth seeing, and it, it gives me hope that if we can ever get the medical doctors on our side that are working against us, that sooner or later we're going to get a break. So unless there's something you want, you want to ask me yeah, or not, I, yeah, if we can get the medical doctors, that would be a serious breakthrough. Yeah, and the psychiatrists with them. Because the psychiatrists do us more harm. Well, I don't know if they do us any more, but they do just as much harm as a regular MD. Because they all, they all well, know the about this program. Yeah, the medical doctors is a good start because a lot of them have connections and relationships with the therapists and the psychiatrist. So if we can start with any type of doctor, they're all connected because your medical doctor can refer you to a therapist or a psychiatrist. Right. So they're connected. Now, you know what I'm saying? So we yeah. get the medical doctor to believe us and understand us and stop referring us and committing us to mental facilities. That That's great. Right. Now you heard uh, Dr. Batara. Uh, now I forgot the question I was going to say. Oh, he's talking about Somewhere, I forget what, but if you listen to it, you hear it. He, they, six, they said 65 people died for the bird flu back when, when was that? A couple, four, five, eight years ago. So he said he didn't believe yeah. it. So he called up the doctor he knew down there in, that was there. He said, you know, I just don't believe that. Did 65 people die? He said, yes, they did, all 65. He said, something you probably don't know, all 65 of them took the blue flu the bird flu vaccine. So what he was saying, right. the 65 died took the vaccine. They're saying this vaccine is going to see, be so bad that for this COVID, as they call it, that it's going to actually go in and change your DNA. They said they don't know what they developed in 18 months, which I'm like Charles. I think they already had it developed. But even this, they didn't study this thing. They didn't do any kind of study on it or nothing. And what's going to happen in 20 years when all these people take it, start getting a cancer? Well, I think that's what they want. So, but I, I feel sorry yeah. for the people that's, that's buying everything the government tells them. Oh, you got to stay in your home. I don't stay in my home. I don't wear a mask. I don't wear gloves. I told the girl's story the other day. She started wiping off the keypad when I was going through the line. I said, you don't wipe it off. Leave a few germs on until I build up my immune system. Are you serious? I was, I'm serious. Don't wipe it off. So I say that loud. They did so say that. Those doctors said if you keep protecting yourself from everything, you're really harming your immune system exactly. by covering your mouth and wiping everything down. Now, some things, some services are nasty. There's nothing wrong with wiping them down. But if you just do that stuff obsessively and you, 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 Call yourself protecting yourself from all this. You're really harming yourself. That's what the doctors are saying. So, Ken, well, someone has a question. Go ahead. What? Somebody has a question. They said, 
if there is a chip in the vaccine and they inject it in your arm, where does the chip go? Does it just float around in your bloodstream? And well, what? And what another person. Is what do you think the chip the chip can do? It would have to be some extraordinary thing. Go ahead, Ken. Well, they can make them so small now. They claim it's going to be kind of like a tattoo, but you can't see it. But Dr. Judy Mekovich says it's going to go into your bloodstream, and she said, like you get a chip now, they can actually cut them out. She's this, and here's going to go into all kinds of tissues in your body, and you're not going to be able to get them out once they get them in it. But I think their their end game is once they get everybody chipped up and hook you up to artificial intelligence, then we're doomed after that. You got you got no thought of your own. You got nothing. And you know, Bill right. Gates come out. Bill Gates come out and said that they're working on a vaccine about five or six years ago, where they can they call it the fundamental Christian vaccine, and it, and that's still out on YouTube, I believe where he was talking to the CIA, he said, we can give a vaccine that shuts off. And he, he showed the lobe in the brain where, like, fundamental Christians get their thoughts from. He said, if we can shut that off, then they don't have them, that fundamental Christian, uh, and to become terrorists. You know, he, he, he let on, like, the fundamental Christians was terrorists. And you can see it's only, like, four minutes on YouTube. So if you Google it up, you might be able to find it. I got a DVD of it, but. So, now we're we're dealing with the most evil people in the world. Yes, definitely. Let's see. Um, people are calling for Bill Gates to be arrested. He has nothing They're to up. do with medical. He's not or anything. Well, there's other countries. If he goes into, there's few countries he goes into, they're going to arrest him. You know, when he went to Africa, oh, he, he he killed a lot of a lot of babies over in Africa. I mean, yeah, a lot of. They said it got so bad that the mothers might seen that that they'll come around the Red Cross with them vaccines. They ran and hid from the from them from them people. And that, that was in Africa. And probably not only Africa, probably a lot of countries. Because this man is evil. He, he, did else, he did something else in Africa, too. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, but something like tricked the women into getting these vaccines that they thought were Sterilize. some sort of... Yeah, but he ended up sterilizing them. Yeah. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. sterilizing them. Yeah. Because that's... You don't need any more kids in poor countries, you know. Well, when, when you sit back and say, well, we don't need any more kids in poor countries. Well, it comes home. You don't need any more kids in the rich companies, countries either. So, you know, we sit here, and, that, and that's what's coming to us now. But well, one, who is he to decide? Just, well, he thinks he's going to become God. I didn't hear wow. you. I said he does not get to decide that. No, but right now he's getting by with it. Him yeah. and Fauci. But there's there's a lot of people. I mean, now and Google his name up. Everybody hates Bill Gates, and that's good. They should they should hate him. The Bible may say you can't hate people, 
Well, I do hate him. I can't stand well, I don't hate him. But I don't think which one is right. If he believes in eugenics, he should be a he should be the the lighting star. Then he should jump off the cliff first. And show me how to do it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting to me how he's so involved in the medical field, but he he's a computer guy. Yeah, and and he went he stole all that from his partners. He didn't develop all that, so there you are. Oh wow, I believe it. I definitely believe it. Yeah, he did. Well, it's, thank it's you, Kim. I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish your thought. I was going to say I'm going to go ahead and end because I do need to run out. But go ahead and finish what yeah. you were saying. No, no problem. I'm just going to say thank you, and, and I hope everybody has a great day and tomorrow too. Yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because tomorrow is a holiday, so you guys enjoy your holiday. And um, thanks everyone for coming to the call. Ken, thank you so much. And I'm gonna try to catch up on some of the other videos that you sent. Yeah, I just sent you the ones I know is gonna get pulled off YouTube. I know they're going. When I watch them, I usually make a DVD because I know it's gonna get pulled. Yeah, and I'm gonna send you the one that Charles just told us about. I'm, I'm yeah, I'd like to, to see you. that. I'd like to see that. But you, what Charles is saying about being illegal, uh, Wisconsin, the, the courts ruled against their governor there, and I think in Oregon they ruled against their governor. And our governor, they got lawsuits against her, and I know they do in California against uh, the. The Nazi you got there. We got our own Nazi here in Michigan, but every, every one of them. But the sad thing is, the blue states, which states, they seem to be worse. And I'm not saying I'm a Republican, because I've always said the Republican Democrats is one party, and we the people are not invited to it. So we always mm -hmm. vote for the lesser two evils. Keep that in mind. Yeah. I, I doubt if I'll be voting at all in this next election. I, I doubt it. Because I certainly yeah. don't like, uh, what's his name? I'm not too big Biden. on Trump. And I, I, Biden, oh my gosh, he just seems so off. Something's not right. I don't know if he has early dementia or something's just not right. He well, made he a comment on the radio show. On Friday, he made a comment that you're not black unless you vote for him. Excuse me? Well, you you've heard him say that they, they did surgery on him. They did brain surgery, and I think they cut about seven-eighths of his brain out. Oh, he had brain surgery. How long ago? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been four or five years ago. He, he's, he mentioned it one day about it on, on one of his speeches. Hell, he, he walks off the stage when people ask him questions. He don't, I mean, the guy's totally gone. I kind of feel sorry for him, but I kind of think maybe karma came around. Oh, I didn't know he had brain surgery. Okay, oh, maybe yeah. that answers it. But you know, the the people around him should should not let him run because he's just strange. And you see how he feels all over children and stuff, all in public. He's just weird. He's just weird. Yeah, I, I, not. I don't think they're going to run him. That's my opinion. I think they're going to, right at the very end, they're going to run somebody else. 
And I and I think Michelle Obama's gonna probably be the vice president running under whoever they pick. That's that's what I think. I think for the Democrats it's gonna be Kamala. Kamala uh, Harris, the senator. Yeah, I think she's gonna be the running mate. Yeah. Well, I don't like I don't like any of them. So Yeah. To me, it doesn't even matter who's the president because I truly feel that they're all on the same agenda, which is to get us to this entire new world order. I know the new world order is already rolled out, but I believe they're really now putting the final touches on it. And I think that each pres each sitting president is going towards that same agenda, but they're just going to get there a different way. That's all. Is it, is it, Trump, is all there, of them. Yeah, if they're, yeah, all of them. And if they're not on that program... They're not going to be president, so. There you go. There you go. There you go. However, right. not all of you have a great day, and I can say if any of you can watch that London reel, it's it's well worth your two hours. Yeah. Yes. All of all of uh, London reels uh, videos are really really good. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you, everyone, for coming to the call. Enjoy your holiday tomorrow, and we'll be here next week, God willing. Thank okay, you, I'm going to end now. Uh-huh. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, you guys. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.